with, uh, with that. And then also, if you've, if you've got any questions you want to ask because it's not been very clear, um, you can ask. I might not be able to answer them, but um, you can ask. Okay. So Jesus, uh, Jesus likes to give people options. He likes to give people choices. This is a, a technique and a way that's been, that was used in, in, in Jesus' time. It's used in Hebrew writings and extra biblical writings. Of, you've got a choice to make. You choose this path or this path. You, you, make, you, you do this or you do that. Your choice is yours. There's no kind of middle ground. And so if you, if you, as you've been, as you've been working through uh, the sermon on that, you'll hopefully have seen that Jesus doesn't leave much space for middle ground. It's kind of like, it's not like you can be one for either side and kind of just journey through life. He's kind of saying, you, you, you're with me or you're not. It's effectively what Jesus is saying. He doesn't, he doesn't, force the issue though that's what I love about Jesus he never forces anybody to do anything he just says these are the two choices and in his life he presents a way that helps people to understand and see and experience something of the life that's available because of the way that he lived but even so he says choose you choose follow me don't follow me your call there was no cajoling, there was no manipulation, there was nothing, none of that. Just simply put out a choice. And that's what Jesus does in the final verses, really, of, of Matthew 7. He's nailing the choices. So he's taking all the, the stuff of the Sermon on the Mount and the things that he's mentioned prior, and he's saying, okay, now you've, you've, I've taught you about the way of the life in the kingdom, what it looks like to follow me. What's going to be your choice? And so we have these verses, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who, will, who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. Quite challenging, quite direct. There doesn't seem to be much wriggle room in that. No, doesn't seem to be much negotiation option available in that. He says like, Jesus, if I just, no, no, he's saying this is the choice. This is the, this is the way. So he uses the narrow gate. He says the narrow gate. Um, and so he invites us to enter through the narrow gate. And then references the broad gate. Now, um, if you think about the narrow gate as a, imagine a, a football turnstile. Okay. So yesterday I was at Stratford Town. I met Matt and John there. And um, I... I mean, I didn't. Ha to be fair, it was it was like the few, okay, because there weren't loads of crowds. There weren't there weren't masses of people that was trying to fight through to get through this narrow gate. I I kind of strolled up about five to three, thinking, oh, maybe I'll have to queue a little bit, but no, no, I I could just walk straight up to the turnstile, and I had to pay my money, and I, I went, I got through, but through that turnstile. There was no room for anybody else. 
there was no there was no chance that somebody else could just sneak through because such such narrow gap squeezing through the turnstile is one at a time an entry into that space one at a time and so when Jesus is is talking about the narrow gate have in mind the turnstile not the massive gates that are next to the turnstile that when the game is open they're opened up and and everybody walks out together en masse or a barn door where you could fit your tractor unless you're Jeremy Clarkson if you've ever seen Clarkson's farm you'll know what I'm referencing he, he has this massive big tractor that you just can't that he, he nails to anyway you get direct, direct distracted so we've got this um we've got this image of a narrow entrance as opposed to a wide entrance a wide gate in which loads of people can get through and follow with the masses so Jesus says the narrow gate what are we to understand about the narrow gate what's he saying is it this literal gate we know it's not a literal gate because actually Jesus has referenced himself and talked about himself as the gate John John 10 verse 9 Jesus says, I am the gate. If anyone enters me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. So Jesus is setting himself up in this moment. I am the narrow way. I am the narrow gate. I am the way for salvation. Now, some commentators have have used this to focus simply upon the, the, the second coming, you know, the life that is to come. And so if we walk well with Jesus this side of life, we will get through the narrow gate. The problem with that is it becomes very works oriented. So if I do enough and I walk correctly enough, I will be able to enter through the gate. How do we know that we've ever done enough? If that's the, if that's the scenario, how do we know whether we've not just stepped outside of the narrow, the narrow path? We won't. So Jesus, the order of this is really important. So Jesus is saying, I am the narrow gate. I am the way to embrace life, to know what it is to be saved, past, present, and future. Because I think there is something about the future element that Jesus is trying to communicate because the decisions we make now impact eternity. They have an eternal impact the decisions and the choices we make now. So Jesus, I am the narrow gate. And I wonder, in, in Psalm 80, uh, 118, 20, it's written, this is the Lord's gate, the righteous will enter through it. So we, how do we enter this gate? How do we enter into Jesus? How do we enter into the life that Jesus has on offer, this invitation to come to him, to know him. Well, shall we read Ephesians 2? Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 says this, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient, We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love 
that he had for us made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in our trespasses. You were saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the, heaven, in, in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created, a workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared ahead for us to do. So verse eight says, for you are saved by grace. And uh, we, we keep talking about this because I think it's really important that we keep reminding ourselves that we are saved by grace. We are not saved by works. We are not saved by the things that we do. We are saved through faith in Christ alone by recognizing that he is the, 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 the crucified savior, the resurrected Lord, the one who holds all things together. We put our faith and our trust in him. He's done it all. And, and so by putting our trust in him, we step into him. We're covered in him. We step into the life that he's purposed us to have because it's only available in him because he is life itself. So he's the narrow gate. And then he talks, goes on to talk about the broad gate. Many go through the broad gate. See, there's not many who'll go through the narrow gate. And he'll come on to that in a moment because the narrow gate is difficult. The narrow gate is challenging because it means putting our trust in someone else, not in our own effort and striving. It means putting everything on Jesus. But the broad gate, well, he says, that's many. And in fact, I don't think we need to try too hard to go through the broad gate. Because actually outside of Jesus, entering Jesus, the narrow gate, we're already on the road toward, uh, through the broad gate. Because Paul writes, uh, you, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world. So we don't need to try. You and I know that when we were outside of Jesus, we didn't need to try too hard to go the broad way through the broad gate to destruction. Because it's only when we encounter Jesus do we realize actually the pathway that we were on, that the avenue that we'd entered into was, was leading to a destructive life. Or is, please don't tell me that's just me. Like the choices prior to coming to faith in Christ, you recognized actually it, it wasn't what it promised. It wasn't the life that was on, what didn't do what it said on the tin, unlike Ron Seal. It robbed of life, it robbed of joy, it was destructive to your soul. For those of us who stepped into Jesus, we know that that's different. We've been made alive to Christ. So the broad gate, many are on. And actually, we live in a world, don't we, where what we read in Ephesians 2 is true of, of people who are far from God. They live according to their own desires. 
live according to the, the, the stuff that serves their own passion and own end. Now, don't get me wrong. Actually, there's lots of people that are, are really nice people and good people, the kind people. But the motivations for all of those things are often so messed up. So Jesus, Narragate, Broadgate. And he goes on to say there's another way. So you go through the, the, the narrow gate, you've got to keep walking on the narrow way. See, the narrow way is the path of, of great challenge. Anybody like um, mountaineering or climbing or anybody been on some like walks? No, nobody like that. Well, I think Alan and Louise are at, at this moment, I think they're probably up some kind of mountain walking a narrow path. And hopefully they're sticking to the path. Because if you've ever walked any hills or mountains, you'll know that there's some, certain parts where you, you have to walk a very straight and narrow path. Because either side of that path, there is a great, a, a great fall. And so Jesus is talking here about this, this narrow way why? Because we, 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 we don't actually get to go too far off it because if we start to go away from the way that he's purposed, it's, it's harmful and destructive. So Jesus has set a narrow way for our good. And so all that the Sermon on the Mount is, is telling us is actually this is the way, walk in it. So if you're part of, you've come in through the narrow gate, the way of the Sermon on the Mount is this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. This is the mandate of the kingdom. So if you go into the Beatitudes and all the way, and then you go into chapter um, further on in that, and Jesus starts talking about the heart, and in chapter six he talks about prayer, and in chapter earlier in chapter seven he talks about judgment and discernment. He's saying, if if we want to be followers of Jesus, these are the things that we walk in. But the thing about that is that the more that we walk the narrow path, the more we become like Jesus the more he transforms us. So it's not like you have to get yourself all set and clean before you enter in through the gate. No, the entrance into that life is through Jesus. And having come to Jesus, he who created us and crafted us and gave us things to do in advance um, to live out this life, we start to walk in them along the narrow path. Now, why is it the narrow path? It's the narrow path because it means we have to make some choices in this life about how we're going to behave, about how we'll operate with people and, and work and moral choices, actually. In a world where morals are all relative, and you can, well, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, you make your choices, you be you, they say. You do you. The way of Jesus is the way in which he fulfills and works out the very things that he's purposed us to be and to do, to live to his glory. So that, interestingly, what does it say? So that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So the, the narrow way, the walking with Jesus, sounds like they're having fun, doesn't it? Um, so the way of walking with Jesus means that we are, uh, the more that we're transformed, the more we walk along the way, I think the more that we bring glory to God. 
But it doesn't mean to say that everything will always be easy. That's why I think Jesus says this is challenging because it's going to draw us, not intentionally, it'll draw us into conflict with people who in your, maybe in your workplaces or wherever they want to cut some corners, they want to make some ethical choices that are, you just don't sit right with you as a Christian. What are you going to do? Are you going to ignore it and go alongside it and go, go with it because that's the easiest to, that's the way of the many? Or is there some choices that are governing uh, or some decisions that you've already made to walk in the narrow way that will determine the choices that you make? Now, nobody's pretending that this is easy because it's really difficult, isn't it? When you're in the middle of a, a work environment and other people are willing and happy to do some stuff that you just don't sit comfortably with, it's gonna make you stand out. And that is, that's really hard. And there's no, I'm sorry, but there's no getting away, away from it. That is the narrow way, is to walk the way of Jesus because they're small choice, sometimes they're small, sometimes they're huge. They're choices that we make as followers of Jesus. It's a costly life, but it's the best life. It's a challenging life, but it's the most joy-filled, hope-filled life. Because we know that as we set our course to walk with Jesus, he is our life. He is our source. And we don't live simply for what is, what is in this moment, where those who are on the Broadway live for the moment because this is all there is. There is no God. There is no consequence for the actions of which we live and make choices we make now. We live, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you will die, is often the motto. Living unaware of the consequence, the eternal consequences of actions that are made in this life and so but we as God's people as his followers make choices in light of that which is to come because we know that one day one day there will be no more suffering there will be no more pain there will be no more persecution there will be no more marginalization of the of of, of the people of God we will be the people of God and we will be with him forever. And it's, it says about the few, doesn't it? Like few choose this. But if you go into Revelation, Revelation 7, then around the throne is a great throng of people, innumerable, who are giving worship and praise and adoration to King Jesus. The new heavens and the new earth are going to be made up of people like you and I who have said, Jesus, I am yours. Jesus, I'm going to follow your way. Because I think what our world needs, more than anything, is a people who are distinct. A people who say, I follow, don't follow religion. I don't follow a set of rules. I follow a person. And that person is Jesus and he's changing my life. I follow the one who, who holds me and who helps me and guides me. Not simply as, yes, you enter as an individual. But on that path, there are other pilgrims on the way of Jesus. On the narrow way, look at us. Look around the room. How many people are in Stratford-on-Avon district? About 130,000 people. How many people are in churches on Sunday? Zero, zero, 
0.1% maybe of the population of Stratford-on-Avon district. Few walk it. Few encounter it. But while we're here, while we've still got breath in our lungs, while we're still able to make the decisions to walk with Jesus, will we make the choice to walk the narrow way? And just, just maybe, just maybe, as we seek out to live that way, to present and tell a better story, some of the many who are yet on, on, still on the road to uh, the broad way, the road to destruction, as Jesus says, maybe, just maybe, some of those will come across and find the gate. They'll find Jesus and they will enter the gate and they will begin to walk the narrow way. We've got to believe it. We've got to believe it in Ulster, where I think there's about 6,000 people live, if I've got that right. That in Ulster, as the missional households begin to, begins to just grow and in, increase and do, do the mission that you're on and all the stuff that you're working out, we've got to believe that some of those people that are far from Jesus will come to faith in Jesus. They will find the narrow way. We've got to believe that as we do what we do in Studley or in Stratford, that we've got to, we've got to believe that the life that we, we, we make a choice to live will impact those around us because they're searching for a better story. Um, I was listening to a podcast this week that uh, indicated that there is a, a, a growing sense of curiosity once again about our story as Christians. That, that the, the new atheism of, of the 90s and early 2000s and all that, that Richard Dawkins fail, failed, is it Dawkins? Dawkins. Dawkins. Hawkins was the scientist. Good. It's not confusing in any way, shape, or form. Um, but Richard Dawkins, um, uh, there was others as well that were involved in that new atheist movement. They sought to dis destroy the story that we have as God's people, that actually the Jesus way is a better way. What they've actually done is created an opportunity for other narratives and other stories to be formed. That whether it's the, the you know the the LGBTQ narrative or it's the Me Too movement or it's the climate change movement, they've create they've created. That's not a political comment on any of those, by the way. But they've created a narrative through which people are looking for a story to belong to a way of life. So if you talk to anybody who's really caught up with the climate change movement, it's a way of life. Everything becomes about that. Now I think we should do more for our climate. I, I'm not against that by the way. I think as, as Christians we should have responsibility for the environment in which we live. But, but some people become super militant about that, that everything is the focus and they think everybody else should be on their thing and they become evangelists for that thing they become evangelists for that story I think when Jesus is laying out these two ways the narrow way the broad way saying actually we have a better story we have a better story to tell people and we have a better story to live by 
because our, the consistency of our life is not made up in the material possessions or the things of the here and the now. Give ourselves as wise stewards to the things of the here and now and use for his glory. But our life consists of far more because we are in Jesus. And we are his. And so the, the way, the choices that we have are difficult. But then Jesus says this in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what might seem like a difficult choice we don't do it on our own. We're not left to try and navigate and work it out all on our, you know, with our own intellect, our own mind, our own strength. No, when we come to Jesus, he lays his yoke, which is an instrument of work. He lays his yoke upon us and we walk with him. And when we walk with him according to the way that he's purposed us to live and to operate, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Just think, I'm just thinking of Meg's story, Meg's testimony just a little bit earlier of burdened down by the weight of life, the choices, the decisions, the consequences of others, but coming to Jesus, walking through that in that moment, learning about him, learning from him, the burden and the weight lifted. Circumstances are still there, but life is different because Meg is seeing differently. And I think that's the, that's the promise of Jesus for us, is that we get to walk with him, having made the choice to enter through the narrow gate, which is Jesus, and to walk the narrow path, which is the way of Jesus. And Jesus has laid that out for us in the Sermon on the Mount. So what I want you to do um, is take, take a few moments. So hopefully PowerPoint slide will come up. Um, and so you can sit and reflect on these questions. Or you can get into groups uh, where you are. Um, very happy just to get into groups and just chat some of this stuff through. What, uh, having heard what I've said, so what? What's going to be the choice? What's going to be the action? What is it that God's asking of you today in, in regards to your relationship to him and to others? Um, and reading Psalm 1 I think, that's the, I think that's an invitation to us this morning have a read of Psalm 1 I think the life that is pictured there is a life that is found when we walk the Jesus way okay so just take a few moments is that alright?